Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. So I want to share with you this morning from God's Word, and I want to share about worshipers. You know, there's, there's a scripture in the Bible that's kind of, it's, to me, it was always a little bit disturbing. It's what Jesus speaking to the woman at the well in Samaria. And he said, he said, the hour is coming and is now here. Everyone say, the, ne- the hour is here now. He said, we're true worshipers. will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Now that's... I don't know about you, but that's kind of disturbing to me. It says the the Lord is seeking worshipers. He's aggressively seeking worshipers. That's what he's doing. He's seeking worshipers. And I I guess that's that's the story. And this particular story, John 4, is about a, a woman at the well in Samaria. And you'd have to say, if you were honest, you'd have to say this lady was anything. She was anything but a worshiper. She wasn't a worshiper. You know, some, she, she, had, she had been um, had five guys that had been her, her husband, and the guy she was living with at the current time was was not her husband. She was just living with this guy. So, she, you know, worship was not the priority in her life. Her life had been a long, miserable story of trying to find the right guy. That's what her story was about. And God came. The Lord came to Samaria that particular morning on a on a on a mission. And his mission was to find worshipers. That's what he was looking for. And when he, when he got to the well, he found this woman. And, and this woman, he started ministering to her by the word of God. He started preaching to her. Now, if you, if you listen this morning, if you listen carefully this morning, maybe, maybe the word of God will speak to you today. Maybe there's something supernatural in his words that will break whatever it is that's been hindering you in your life from advancing spiritually. There's power in the spoken Word of God. There's power when the Word of God enters us. It transforms our life. It makes us from one thing into another thing. So Jesus was ministering to this particular woman that day, and he he said that that God is looking for worshipers, and and maybe, just maybe, you're going to be one of those worshipers. Maybe you're going to be one of those worshipers. And he goes on in that passage and says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So it's not about the style of worship. It's not about if you like country gospel music, or if you like rock gospel music, or if you like just plain old soul gospel music. It's not talking about about any of that. It's talking about spirit. It's talking about real. It's talking about authenticity. It's talking about having an encounter with a living God who touches us and changes us, awakens us to His greatness and to His goodness so that our life becomes one of these worshipers. That particular day, this life, this woman's life was changed. She discovered the answer to to the question that Jesus was posing. If you knew who I was, if you only knew who I was, and if you knew the gift of God, if you knew about the gift of God, you'd ask me, and I would give you living water. And he said, I have water to give you that will come into your life and actually transform you so that you will never, 
ever, 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 ever be thirsty again. You'll be content all the days of your life. You'll be satisfied totally and continually. You won't be on the hunt for the right guy, the right job, the right vacation, the right car, the right outfit, the right hobby. You'll be satisfied for the rest of your life when you meet this one, this Jesus, if you'll drink this living water. So that day, this woman became one of those worshipers. Now, here's the, here's what, the other thing that Jesus was after. He was after a worshiper. Yeah, he was looking for one. Just like he sought you out one day and he, he found you, but he was after you, but he was, a, he was after more than just you because this woman was a, a key figure. Think about it for a moment. She had been married how many times? There's probably, you know, it took probably a number of years to get go through five guys, right? Well, how many, how many years do you think it took? It's tw- five. I'd say, I would say more like, tw- I'll give her some grace. I'd say 20, 25. <laughs> say 25 years. So I, there's probably, there's probably kids involved in this, right? And probably from the first couple of marriages, there's probably grandkids involved in this, right? So we got kids. We got husbands, we got the guy she's living with, we got grandkids, we got her siblings probably lived in town, and and their kids, their nieces and their nephews. And Samaria was not, it was just a little village. It wasn't a big place. So at the end of the day, she knew and had influence with everyone in that village, without a doubt. That's what that was about. And if you read the whole story, you'll find that Jesus did not just go to the next town right away. He, he stayed and he spent three days ministering in Samaria. And he said at first that they, they, were, they were interested because of the word that this woman spoke. But now they were interested because of what they heard for themselves. They experienced the testimony of Jesus. So in that community, from that particular encounter with God, this one woman became a worshiper. And her, her deepest, deepest needs in her life were met. But beyond that, her life was changed and her life began to carry influence in her world and in her community. Worshippers have influence in their worlds. You become a worshiper of God. I mean, you become a worshiper of the true God. Your life will be changed, but it won't stop with you. It's going to influence your, ex, your exes, all your exes that live somewhere. It'll influence them. It'll influence the children from your exes. It'll influence the grandkids. It'll influence your nephews and nieces and, and siblings. It'll influence the whole town. Your region will be affected by the power of the gospel. So God is the spirit. And this woman became a, a spirit worshiper that day. And she could never go back. Now, so this morning, I've got, I wrote down in my, my notes. It won't take me long. I wrote down four. Everyone say four. Four worshipers. First one was the woman in Samaria. We see her. She became a worshiper. There was another one that we know of that was a, was a major worshiper. His name was, was David. He was a king, right? David was a worshiper. He was known for, that, that's what David was known for probably more than anything else. Yeah, he killed Goliath and he, he defeated the Philistines and he became king of Israel. But his lasting influence on society, without a doubt, was his songwriting. 
His lasting influence on generation after generation after generation after generation was His worship. His worship. That worship came from his encounter with God. David had an encounter with God when he was a teenager. It was life-changing, a life-changing encounter from the day he was anointed with oil. When Samuel poured the oil upon his head, the anointing came upon his life, and he entered into a a supernatural revelation of, of, of the Lord. And David that day became a worshiper, a worshiper that continued and continued all the rest of his life. Now, I wrote down a couple scriptures that, that I think of when I think of David. Second Samuel 6.14 says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. Wow. When was the last time you danced? Now, I'm not talking about dancing to whatever, you know, secular stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, when was the last time... You were overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord. Maybe it was just a few minutes ago when you said, I can't, I can't help myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to cut loose right now, and I'm not only going to worship Him with my mouth, I'm going to worship Him with my body. My body's going to get involved in this. My whole being's going to get involved in this. It said, David worshiped the Lord with all of his might. With all of his might. I don't think I've done that yet in my life. Worship Him with all of my might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, the outfit of a priest. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpets. You know, when I think of, of David, you know, you don't think of um, kings as being spirit dancers, you know. You don't think of the king or queen of England being the one with the flag dancing in front of the church, waving the flag, right? The queen. When was the last time you saw the Queen of England trotting across the Anglican church waving her flag and dancing? She had her tambourine out. She was dancing. And she was worshiping. Well, that, that's not the normal way you look and see kings. Royalty. David was a different kind of king. David had seen a greater king, and he was, this, this was his humility on display. This was the humility of a different kind of king. He was going to dance before the Lord with all his might. He didn't care. It cost First, it cost him his, his first love. It cost him his wife. Michal left him because of this, and, and she became barren because of this. But David said, I'm going, to, I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to worship Him even if it costs me something. I'm going to give Him my life. I'm going to give Him my body. And this is some, a couple of the verses he wrote. He says, one thing, David said, that I've asked of the Lord, and that I will seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. He also said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And this one, the last psalm, the last of his psalms, Psalm he saved the best for last. Psalm 150. This is how it goes. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His stronghold outside under the sky. Praise Him for His miracles of might. Praise Him for His magnificent greatness. Praise Him with trumpets blasting. Praise Him with a piano and the guitar. Praise Him with drums. Praise Him with dancing. Praise Him with the loud. Everyone say loud. 
Praise Him with a loud, resounding clash of cymbals. Praise Him with every instrument you can find. Let everyone join in the crescendo of ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! (laughs) So, yeah, David... David was consumed with the love of God, and he didn't care. He didn't care, but because of his humility, he affected his generation, and he affected the next generation, and he affected the next generation. His life and the, the humility of this kind of king and of this worship affected generations after him. He set a standard. This, this is what worship is going to look like. I, I love that. I love that. So, yeah, so... I wrote down Psalm 103 as well. He was glorifying God amongst the people. Not only was the generations affected, the nations of the earth. Think about the nations today. Every nation and every tribe and tongue. Every one of them. Every African nation. Every South American nation. Every Asian nation. Every European nation. Every North American and Central American nation is being affected by the Psalms of David. Because he was a worshiper. It says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples, among the nations. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth. So David, the humility of a king, affected generations and affected nations. So the spirit worshiper in Samaria affected her city. The worship of a humble king affected generations and affected nations. Now I have a third person that I've been thinking about this week. His name is the Apostle Paul. Paul was a worshiper too, you know. You know, his worship came in a most unusual time. In a time when worship won't normally take place. You know his story in Acts chapter 16. He was, it was his first venture. His first, this is a Jewish guy, right? A Pharisee of Pharisees. It was his first venture into Europe. He was coming to Europe for the first time to ch- start a church. What a welcome he got in Europe. He was arrested and beaten with, with canes. He was caned. And then he was put in prison at night in stocks and bonds. That means in his feet and his hands were, were tied up. And he was, he was in the prison that night after he'd been beaten that day. And he probably didn't feel like worshiping, you, you think? <laughs> Lord, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I thought you told me to come to Europe. I thought you told me to come over here. What's going on? They're mistreating me. I'm an apostle. I'm a servant of God. I've been beaten and now I'm locked up. No, that's not, that wasn't his response. At midnight, everyone say at midnight, at the darkest moment, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And I was listening to, um, to one of the, the worship um, projects, uh, I don't even know what you call them anymore, the LPs, EPs, albums, cassette, eight tracks, whatever, whatever that's called. I was listening to Sean on Floyd, and he was talking about worship, and he was talking about this miracle, and he was talking about Paul. And he said the guards in that prison made a mistake that day. He said the mistake that they made was, well, they, 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 they secured their feet in their hands, but they forgot to put something on his mouth. They forgot to put a mask on his face. 
If you don't shut up to praise, you can't stop the move of God. It's, there's power in our words. There's power in our voices. There's power in, in our declaration of the goodness of God. You start declaring with your voice, whether it's with a melody or not, but you start declare, declare, declaring out loud, God is great. Jesus is awesome. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Sickness and disease, bow at the name of Jesus. Demons, bow at the name of Jesus. And you start saying that stuff and singing it out loud. That is chain-breaking power that's in your mouth. And that's what happened that night. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. It wasn't an accident. This earthquake was in response to their words. The earth began to shake in response to their words. Our world is beginning to shake as the church opens its voice once again. We open our voice again and lift up our voice in one accord, unrestrained, unashamed, unashamed of the power of God, unashamed of worship. We lift up our voice once again, and God will hear, and God will respond with the power of signs, wonders, and miracles. We have to lift up our voice. Don't let them shut your mouth. Don't let them close your mouth. Don't let them take your praise. Don't let them steal your song. So they were, there was an earthquake so that the foundation of the prison, the foundation of the prison, the foundation of bondage that's trying to hold the church in captivity is being shaken to its core. The foundation of this society that's trying to hold back the gospel is, is being broken by the power of the gospel. You will not and shall not hinder the kingdom of God. Immediately all the doors were opened. All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. Oh, I love that. Wow, the doors were opened. Maybe you feel like there's some doors that have been shut in your world. Maybe somebody slammed some doors shut in your world. And there's nothing you can do physically speaking. You don't have the power, the money, or the connections to open those doors. They've been shut, and it looks like they're shut tight. And you have got no options and no opportunities. That's how it looked to Paul and Silas that night. The prison doors were slammed shut. They didn't have the connections to get out. And so they started worshiping and giving praise to God. That was their response. We worship you. I'd love to hear the song that they sang. I'm sure it was one of the Psalms of David. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We magnify you. Great is your faithfulness. Oh, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. And the doors of opposition begin to open. And Paul had doors of ministry open wide for him that had been closed. Yeah, and all the chains. It wasn't just the chains. You know, the, the chains in that prison began to fall off of all those prisoners. Not just Paul and Silas, but all the other prisoners that were in there for God knows what. The chains began to fall off their hands, too. They got under the sound of that praise, and it affected them. The, the power of God began to break every chain. 
There's something happens when you come in. This is not optional. This is not in, 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 insignificant. This is not casual. A worship like this with the body of Christ is the most powerful thing we have on this earth. It's more powerful than kings and presidents. It's more powerful than the economy of the earth. It is the most powerful thing that we have on earth. The gathering of the congregation of Jesus Christ in one accord, one heart, and one voice, lifting our voice up to God. This is the greatest power that begins to be unleashed on the world, and it breaks chains of addiction. You bring people into this atmosphere that are on heroin. That chain is being broken in Jesus' name. You bring people in this atmosphere that are bound by perversion, by sexual immorality, by homosexuality. Those chains will be broken in the name of Jesus. You bring people into this atmosphere who are bound by a spirit of infirmity and disease and oppression and alcoholism. Oh, I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, in this atmosphere where worship comes down, the chains will be broken and let go off their hands in the name of Jesus. Oh, yeah. So he goes on in this story after the power fell. The, the guard called out for a light. And he ran in, the guard of the prison. He ran, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and they washed their stripes. The prison guard took care for Paul's wounds. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And when they brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his households. Wow. So it spread out into Philippi. This was this resistance. You can't stop it. You cannot stop the kingdom of God. The very thing that they used to try to stop the kingdom of God was the very vehicle that the Lord used to spread his gospel in that city. This jailer became a conduit of glory, of revival in Philippi. He was a key instrument in the move of God, and this was the way God was going to get him there. I'll just go and beat my servant and lock him up and watch and see what I will do. And the last one, this one, anyone heard of great jumping Jehoshaphat before? There's a reason Jehoshaphat was jumping. Jehoshaphat, I'm not sure how many generations, but he was the, 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 the great, 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 great grandson of David. He was the king, son of David. And then he would have a great, 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 great grandson one day who'd be Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> Woo! You'd be jumping too. Woo! My grandfather was somebody, and my grandson's going to be somebody. Great jumping Jehoshaphat. Well, they brought him a report. Report that the, there was an alliance aligned against Israel of the nations surrounding them were coming against them, attacking them, and they had no means of defense. They did not have the army. They did not have the resources. They did not have the weaponry. They didn't have the tools that they needed to defend themselves. So Jehoshaphat did what only he knew to do. He called a fast and began to seek the Lord. 
And they were seeking the Lord. He called the people into Jerusalem. The people began to call upon the Lord God. And in the Spirit of the Lord, it says, fell on one of the prophets that was gathered together with him. And this prophet stood up. And he said, Jehoshaphat, this is what I want you to do tomorrow about this time. I want you to send the, the Levites, send the singers and the worshipers out tomorrow about this time. And this battle is going to be the Lord's. And that's exactly what they did. The next day, they got the singers, they got the, the musicians, and they got out, they dusted off one of their favorite songs, one of the songs of David's. Oh, you'll recognize this song. They, it's been sung before, over and over again. They sang it when they dedicated the temple. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. That was the whole song. They started dancing. They had their, out, their pre, the priestly garb on, and they were singing and dancing before the Lord, going out into battle to battle the enemies of God. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You send out the worshipers. You send out your worship when stuff goes bad. When the enemies are surrounding you, it's time to worship God. It's time to lift up your voice. It's time to call upon the name of the Lord. So, it's, so yeah, after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with them, the sons of the Mayanites came against Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude's coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they were in Hazar and Tamar. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And all the cities of Judah came to seek the Lord. Second Chronicles 22. It says, when they sent the singers out, when they began to sing and to pray, when they began to sing into praise, when they lifted up their voices and began to sing, Oh, the Lord is good, and in mercy endures forever. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who came against Judah, so that they were routed. They took off. They got scared. They heard the sound of the worship coming. They thought it was a great army. They turned, and they began to run, leaving a pile of wealth behind them. Listen to the rest of this story. So, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they came out to the, the edge of the wilderness. They looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying all over the ground. None had escaped. When Joshua and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. There was a transfer. There was a transfer of provision to the house of God. It started out as a defeat. And it started out as a God's mean of supernatural provision for the children of God. They were three days in taking away this. took them three days to gather up all this stuff. It was so much. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. Can you imagine what that means? Anyone have any idea? Barakah. Somebody tell me. So it means the valley of blessing. Woo! They gathered in the valley of blessing. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Oh, the Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. For they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the valley of Barakah until this day. So, I am under the persuasion that 2020... Is all about God stirring His people. It's, it's, that's all it's about. It's not about, about trying to get back to the way we used to be. 
It's about a change. The Lord says it's time for a change in the house of God. The house of God has become too casual. It's become, it smelled like and looked like the world for the last few years. It's looked too much like secular society. And it's time for it to smell more like Him than it does like them. He wants a change to come into the house of God. He's calling people out of Egypt. He's calling people out of the secular society. And He's calling them into the house of God. He says it's time for us to set our face toward the Lord and call upon Him and worship Him with all our heart and with all of our soul. He's seeking for worshipers. Maybe you've been in a, you can relate to maybe the woman at the well in Samaria. You've been trying to find peace and satisfaction in the things of this world. Maybe it wasn't even bad things. That's, it's not, that's not the problem. It's not that you were looking for sinful things. The problem, you weren't looking for Him. That's the problem. It's not about you were too sinful or you were doing stuff you should not do. It wasn't about rules and regulations. You shouldn't be doing this. It wasn't about that. You just, you weren't after Him. You'd exchanged. You'd exchanged like Jeremiah said. He said that they'd, they'd started to drink from a different well. Instead of coming to the well of living water, they were drinking from the well of this world. If you knew who I was, Jesus, there He is sitting of all things. He came and He set Himself on Jacob's well. This is Jacob's well. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our fathers have been drinking from this well. Lady, look at me. Look at me. If you knew who I was. If you knew who I am. Oh, my father is Abraham. My father is Jacob. My father is Isaac. If you knew who I was and if you knew the gift of God, you'd look to me and I would give you living water. If you drink this water, you will, you will be quenched. You will be satisfied all the days of your life. It'll become like a, an eternal fountain bubbling up inside of you, quenching your thirsty soul all the days of your life. So here he hasn't changed. No, he, he hasn't changed. He's still looking, going through society. He's looking all over Metairie, all over New Orleans, all over Louisiana, down in the French Quarter, looking. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. People, people that will say, this, this, this is my new identity. I'm a worshiper of God. That's who I am. I'm a worshiper of God. He's looking for worshipers of God. And, and, I'm, and my prayer is this, that when he finds you, he sits down on the well and says, there's one of my worshipers right there. Worship me. Oh, I'm looking for worshipers. Those that worship in spirit and truth will find uh, an awakening in their soul and an awakening in their community. He's looking for a, 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 a breach. He's looking for an avenue to break into to your world, the world you live in, and to your kids and grandkids and friends and neighbors. He's looking to break into your worlds through your worship. Through your worship. A worshiper of God. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.